Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 16th episode of the Future Worlds Metaverse podcast. Today, we're joined by James Fink, who has a deep background in NFTs and marketing. He comes out of the music space, right? I should say the radio space. Um, but welcome to the show, and I'd love to hear some background, James. Good to have you. Hey, thanks for having me on. This is uh, always exciting. Uh, you know, we got to know each other through our kids and uh, found out we had actually a lot in common. So that's always a really kind of interesting path. But uh, yeah, I uh, started out my career in radio, working for stations like K-Rock and K-Earth, and then managing a couple stations for Univision. And I always love to say that uh, I don't speak enough Spanish to say I speak Spanish when you work for Univision, because what ends up happening is people start talking to you in Spanish and negotiating with you. And I'm not that good, but you know, if you ask me to get, drop me in Mexico and ask me to get back, I could probably do it. Uh, you know, and I did everything from there from, uh, you know, advertising sales to managing the advertising department to overseeing two radio stations to, uh, bringing on sports franchises like the Dodgers and Raiders to our radio group, working with a TV group on our world cup rights and everything like that. So that was a lot of fun. I missed those days. It was a lot of tickets uh to a lot of cool events uh and then i ended up uh, getting tired of corporate and started my own agency advertising agency which i still have uh but uh, we build websites we run digital ads on facebook and google and all that fun stuff but uh, i'm also a photographer uh as a passion point and that's what led me into the nft world because i thought oh you know what i'll check out this whole nft thing uh and before i know it i was you know, consulting and advising clients on, you know, the NFT space and working with some different anime projects and charity profit projects or nonprofit projects. And then the big one being National Lampoon, which I'm heavily involved in now. And you might so, see in the corner here, some NFTs flipping through my, my digital screen. I was just going to say, is that a, is that one of those frames? What is that? Cause it's, you've got a display there, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's made by Netgear from, uh, and it's called the Mural. Uh, there's a lot of them out there. This one just happened to be, you know, some, uh, you know, a good price, so it was affordable. Where some of them run two, three thousand dollars, and it's really crazy. So, uh, but it's cool because I get to see the stuff that I work with and participate and everything like that. So, so you have yeah. about. I think you told me you have more than six hundred NFTs now. Is that right? <sighs> Scary, yeah. <laughs> That's a collection. I mean, it do, is, you, it is. do you think people, I mean, I, I've got a couple and I know people that have more than a couple, but I, I happen to think that it's going to become what people accumulate over time, right? Do you look at this as a collection? Are they collectibles for you? Or are you trading in and out? Or how do you, how do you look at that? Both, uh, both. Some of them uh, are collectibles because of timing in the space. I was here when some things started. I never ended up with a board ape, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, I was around at that time. I just didn't know enough to know. And, uh, you know, some of them were art pieces, some of them were collectibles. Uh, some of them are, you know, investments in order to flip later, uh, just kind of goes all over the place. Um, being, you know, involved in the space, I've been lucky enough to get into some stuff early. So it hasn't, you know, necessarily cost the same level, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, some of them, like, you know, some of them, you when you buy these NFTs or you get involved in these NFTs, you become part of their community. And what's really cool is, is you gain immediately several hundred, several thousand, 10,000 friends that are all kind of in the same boat as you, where you're all supporting some kind of community. And uh, so you get to meet and network a lot of people 
you own one of these NFTs, you get to go to their events, you get to utilize their um, IP potentially, if it's big enough and, and valuable enough, you get to access to uh, whatever it may be, right? And uh, merch and all the things that kind of make it really cool. And then in some cases, there's some IP that you own that uh, could grow. Um, one of the anime projects that I'm involved in, you know, we're working on with the company to develop a comic book and hopefully that becomes something large. And then if it is, hopefully some of the characters that I own could be the next, I don't know, Boba Fett, Chewbacca, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle or something like that. And if I, you know, as an owner of that, if it's used correctly, it could mean a lot in the future. So I think one of the big tenets of Web3, let's call it, is community, like you mentioned, right? So mm -hmm. instead of just a one-to-one -one relationship with a retailer or something, you're buying something online, you're receiving it through Amazon, you're actually joining something, right? You're Like you said, you're becoming part of a group that's either got aligned interests or, or likes a particular type of art or art form. And that seems to bring some power with it, right? I mean, the DAO structures, I think that, that back some of these, and like you said, going to live events. I mean, do you look at this as something that's gonna drive people in, in certain ways? And if you're a, I don't know, let's say a, a Tesla fan and, and Tesla issues an NFT at some point, that identifies you as a member of that tribe, right? So how how wide can you go? Can you have, and you've got 600 of them. So does that mean you're, you've got 600 different channels of interest or do you, you find them kind of forming around certain centrics? Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely forming around certain things, obviously, that I'm passionate for. I have a like for like anime and things like that. Uh, you know, there's, it's funny you mentioned Tesla, but Porsche actually just announced they're releasing an NFT. And that NFT, you'll be able to get a Porsche 911, you'll be able to customize it. Then you're going to get invited to events, right, that Porsche puts on for NFT holders. Um, so that's something that is actually probably very much becomes the niche. And I think it's going to take what used to be a fan club and make it more real because you invested a little bit in the company or sometimes a lot, depending on how much the cost gets in. And, uh, and then you have access to something that, you know, you, you, as long as you hold it, you're, you're good. Now you could say, well, you know, I pay to be part of a member's club or I pay to be you know, part of a fan club already, you maybe, or maybe just my email signs me up for that. If the company's doing it right, they're going to take care of these people more. And if you do your research and really find out what the goal is of that company to create that access pass, in this case, the Porsche thing, and what we're doing National Lampoon for Comedy, it's really becomes like exclusive club and, and you're in early and you get access to, um, you know, my bag or wallet has, lots of different NFTs in it that, you know, again, or just some of them are just, they, they just, they, they, they don't do anything, right? Like this one right here is just an art piece. It's just, it just moves and it's cool. Uh, hopefully the artist continues to rise and it raises the value because of like any art you'd have on your wall. Um, but I have a digital proof of ownership of it. Uh, you know, the project, the anime project that I'm close with Oni Force, they, you know, hopefully one of my characters becomes famous and, I get the rights to all the t-shirts that get sold for for that. Um, Porsche and National Lampoon, again, we're going to get to go to comedy shows and get to vote on, at least with National Lampoon, vote on how a show goes, which comedians go on the tour. Uh, you'll get front row tickets to things, things like that by being a holder. So it just kind of depends on who you are. Um, there's a lot of NFT projects that have done very well that I have no interest in being because it just doesn't speak to me. 
But as a marketer, this must be like heaven, right? You, you're, you're getting direct access to a consumer with rich media content, perhaps in both ways, for the potential to have a, an in-person relationship with someone, right? To bring them down. I mean, I know car dealerships and specifically place a very high value on getting somebody on the lot to sell them something. And if Porsche can say, hey, this NFT allows you special access to an event, they really can cultivate and curate that consumer base, right? I mean, that, that, that's got to work really well. It does. It does. And it's kind of like a funny, you know, thing where you get this because, you know, typically there's 5,000 or 10,000, right? And sometimes there's two. Uh, so when you look at it from a marketer standpoint, you know, to sell 10,000 of something worldwide is nothing, right? To have a, if you were to go pitch an idea to Netflix and you say, oh, we've got a huge fan base. Oh yeah. Well, how many people are in your fan base? Oh, we've got 7,000 people in it. And they'd be like, that doesn't even like register with us. Right. But where if the flip side, if you look at it, these are like, they're paid in. So they're passionate fans. Right. So you can utilize them for testing the marketplace and getting, you know, more than just your office's opinions on something when you want to put something out because they'll vote on it. And trust me when I say these people are passionate, they don't like it, they will tell you. If they do like it, they will tell you. And then if they like it, they will help evangelize you through social media. So you put out a, a tweet or an Instagram post or something about this new, this project and you have 10,000 people that are holders and then you, you put it out and they like it. They retweet it. They tag people. The next thing you know, you get this thing. That you can. You've got a push of seven thousand to ten thousand people helping you make it go viral, uh, and that's not always something you could do under kind of like the Web two kind of thought process. So, uh, it becomes really interesting. As a holder, you're part of this community. As the, the the company goes, you get this ability to get the ears of this many people that are all active because well, you spend twenty bucks or in some cases hundreds of thousands of dollars for these things, you want your, your money back, right? And that doesn't mean you want to necessarily sell it for money back, although sometimes that's happened very often, actually. Uh, you want your, you know, you're doing to participate. You're, you're like active. And if you know anything about marketing, you know, when you give away something for free, sometimes people aren't as active as they are if they paid 20 bucks for it or five bucks for it or hundred bucks for it. And that's what this, this group has become. I mean, they're invested. I mean, that's that's yeah. the biggest point. I think, like you said, they put out the effort and the value in, in dollars or coins, ETH typically, um, to show their investment, right? And that's something that I think Bored Apes being probably the most popular NFT at this point. I mean, I think the floor at one point was 2 million and there's 10,000 of them. And I think it's dropped down to, you know, 300,000 or something consistent. It's It's gone far, far below. But the celebrity aspect, the FOMO aspect, where it's a limited commodity, um, you know, the, the ability to do things with that NFT beyond just being able to, to say, hey, it's a badge, I own it. Um, and I know Seth Green or Seth Groden, I think, try, Seth Green tried to make a TV show around one yeah, of his Seth Green. properties. Mm -hmm. And he got his stolen, actually, right when he was starting to work on the show, because that's, that's another thing about the space that can be very chaotic. But yeah, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, like, you know, when you find the right project, you imagine there's a guy that opened a, a, a hamburger stand in Long Beach under his board ape. Um, if you were board ape holder, you got dropped ape coin, which is, you know, debatable in the value, but for a while it did. And those people got dropped a coin that ended up being worth $150,000 at one point. And I was actually on a space yesterday with a guy who said he paid his rent for uh, his mortgage for a full year off of owning that board ape without having to sell it just because of 
the way the values were built around it and what they've done to their community to make it worth more than just everything else. It's incredible. What do you think mm-hmm. the value is? I mean, I, every every NFT issue I've seen has a Telegram or a, uh, a Discord community around it. How important is it to go in and engage and, and how far out as a marketer, how far out do you want to start that process if you're planning a drop, say? Is it like a month, three months, six months? How, how deep do you need to be? Well, you know, it, it's a funny thing, you know, typically when you go to drop something on the traditional side, you put together a marketing budget, right? And that budget includes advertising, and, you know, uh, influencers and all the things that you would imagine if you, you know, watch any company that markets really well, right? Disney does that a lot. Um, this space is the opposite. This space does not want to see you spend money on advertising dollars. If they see you spending money on advertising dollars, they're probably going to think that you're just trying to raise the value, raise the reach, and you're not actually connecting with a community to actually help you raise the value and get people excited about it. And they're very, very particular about that. Um, so National Lampoon is, is a good example of a big media company. It's been around for 50 years. Uh, started as a magazine and ended up doing some pretty famous movies that we all know, Animal House, Vacation Series, Van Wilder, tons of magazines, radio hours. Uh, and when they came into the space, what we did was, and this is when I met with them, I said, you know, we can't advertise, we can't do this. We just have to like build it organically. Now that your name's going to help accelerate that organic building. But what we did was being a guy that's in the NFT space, I'm tied in with a bunch of communities. We started there. We just got into what they call Twitter spaces or clubhouse rooms. And we just said, Hey, we'd love to talk about national input and what they're doing. Like, sure. Come on in. We'd love to hear. And so they would hear and, you know, we talked to 50 people that day or that hour. And then the next time we talked to 50 different people and the next thing you know, a hundred people. And the next thing you know, we're on a larger show. And then, you know, we allow communities that are holders to get early access to purchasing the NFT in advance on the day that it becomes live and people get excited and they start sharing and then they tell their friends about it. It's like the tipping point book, like with the hush puppy shoes to a T it's, it's really like the perfect thing. You just get this thing to try and get to go viral by talking to the right people. Uh, and you know, so really you need months to do it right now. If you're fortunate enough to have some major influencers in the space, kind of jump on the project and give it the thumbs up, then that helps accelerate some things. Um, and I've seen everything from, you know, non-docs, which means the, the owners haven't actually said who they are. The name of the project isn't docs, but they show some of the artwork and, and it starts to get really exciting and it's worked. I've seen other companies do the same thing and it's failed. I've seen big brands like National Lampoon come in and Nike and, you know, Adidas and Braun Studios and The Matrix and Game of Thrones just did something. And all of them have been successful or not successful for different reasons in different ways. Uh, But ultimately it has to do with how you come into the market and if it's authentic and you really are trying to build something for a community. And you got to connect, like you said, the authentic part of it, I think is really important. And in my experience, most of these folks are guys. I I would say it's 98% men. I I don't know why that is Uh, maybe because of the technical aspect, but um, you know, they tend to be younger. They tend to be some, a lot of them that I've seen are offshore. Um, but they're also, like you said, they're very skeptical, right? They're, they're, they're tied into this community. They, they understand crypto. They've seen rug pulls. They've seen all kinds of stuff happen. And I think they're very, they want to know that you're real and they want to follow mm-hmm. something for some period of time and be involved 
as a group, because I think back to that community factor, um, if everybody's in, everybody seems to be rolling the same way, that tends to elicit a better response when you come to, you know, to look at the success of a token or an NFT drop. Um, all right, so you got National Lampoon. Um, what's going on with them? Are, are, you're, are you running their NFT marketing or, or are you running the face of that or what's, what's your involvement? I'm definitely um, on the front lines as part of one of the faces that's really out there doing it. So uh, I met them a little over a year ago. I met the CEO. He told me that a couple of companies had reached out to them about licensing their IP to do some NFT drops. They could have made some money, but they decided that they would check into it a little bit more. We ended up meeting and we ended up having a lot of great discussions about how actually building a comedy community in the Web3 could be the tip of a spear for them to launch a whole new set of type of comedy coming out of the space. Uh, so I've, I'm an advisor in the, in the sense that, uh, you know, I'm here to help them kind of meet with communities, connect with communities, uh, advise them on how best to come to market. I'm not one of their, their only advisor, but I am uh, probably their most active in the sense that I get into a lot of these communities and I talk about what National Lampoon is doing. So um, it's funny, I actually go by the name Art Snitch in uh, NFT spaces. The name comes from my last name, James Fink, Fink meaning snitch. Uh, and not that anyone uses that much anymore, but when my grandfather was growing up, it was a pretty bad name. And so, you know, a lot of people kind of go by different names, fun names. It wasn't uh, actually set up for this. Uh, it was actually set up for my photography career because I'm a big street art fan. And long story short, um, the only reason I bring that up is just because if someone sees this, they probably wouldn't recognize James, but they would recognize Art Snitch, uh, which is I've gotten having used to introducing myself at re in real um, IRL events because I'm like, this is James. And they're like, uh, and I'm like, no, 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 we've talked a hundred times. It's like, uh, I'm like, Art Snitch. They're like, oh my God, let me give you a hug. You know, it's really a funny, this dynamic, um, how some people don't sit in, but you know, I'm fully doxxed and everyone knows who I am or they can do the research. I just happen to go by that name. So I've been in the one in front of everything in these communities talking about, you know, National Lampoon, why they're coming to Web3 and the fact they want to build a comedy community. Uh, you know, the National Lampoon started out as a, in a writer's room when they wrote the magazines. So what National Lampoon wants to do with Web3 is create a whole new writer's room with a whole new set of talent that doesn't have access to big brands like that. So, you know, in the NFT space, everyone's kind of, you know, you're, you don't have resumes. You just jump in the Discord, like you mentioned, you start pumping out funny memes, you start making comments that are funny and National Lampoon's and they're going, oh, wow, this, you've got something here. Join our, 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 our OG Lemmings group and let's, let's do it there. And then well, next thing you know, a guy named uh, Mike Salvi is a comedian out of Philadelphia. He's been leading our spaces from a comedy standpoint, and we found him in, in Web3. And now all of a sudden, he's got this great opportunity to work with National Lampoon and help represent us. Um, if you're, we're dropping an NFT on Tuesday, uh, it's called the Poison Pill to make fun of the Web3 cultish community and the red and the blue pill and the corporate governance of a, of a, of a poison pill, which was funny because that's what Twitter did to Elon Musk. Um, but he ended up having to swallow the pill anyway and, and purchase Twitter at a higher price. Uh, so this poison pill is dropping on Tuesdays, just like it's an all access pass. It's not a PFP of something you would put on your profile picture for Twitter or anything like that. And it's not something you'd put on the side of a hamburger stand to start it, but it is 
get you access to their comedy clubs that they're building, get you access to their tour. You have to vote on who goes on the tour, meaning which com comedians, they might give a list of 10, the top five might get to go. And you, as a holder, you get to vote on that. If you're funny, then you can pitch ideas to National Lampoon. You know, in the traditional world, National Lampoon and I could have a great idea for a great comedic show, but Netflix has to still approve it or Amazon or some distribution channel. Gatekeeper. But in the Web3, yeah, in the Web3 space, if National Lampoon thinks it's funny and I think it's funny and we both think it's funny together, we can find ways to distribute it and have an automatic audience just automatically take a look at it, vote on it, like it, support it and help give it some legs. And sure, maybe in the future, be on Netflix, but in the meantime, it could be on you know, a secondary Roku channel or, or Apple TV channel or something that streams on the web three. And you could do that with YouTube, but this allows you to be a little bit more kind of production side of it and control of it. And uh, so National Lampoon is going to hope, hoping to cultivate new comedy, cultivate, cultivate new fans, bring them together. Uh, I often tell the story because I'm not a com comedian, but I love comedy is I, I used to go to the Laugh Factory a lot. Sure. And one night there was like 10 comedians showing up that night and about the six or seven comedian, this guy gets on stage. I never heard his name, never seen him before. I laughed so hard that it hurt and I had to leave. I didn't stick around for the last couple of comedians. That guy was Dave Chappelle. It was Dave Chappelle before he had a show, before he had a movie, before anything. So I think you're going to see a lot of that built in the National Lampoon Discord and what they're doing with their NFT. I think comedy lends itself really well to Web3 and even Metaverse because it's it's something where it's it's personal, but you also have a community, right? You want to feel like you're in a room. Um, you know, the, the comedian is usually speaking to people in real life, and you can just imagine yourself sitting there versus, you know, watching something that's canned. So I think that live experience really translates. What's the structure for the token? Is it, are you auctioning? Is it tiers? Is it a fixed price? How, how is that going to work? Yeah, it's going to be a fixed price of 0.2 ETH. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's, a couple tiers, but the only tiers are really set up just uh, so there's, uh, you know, going to be the allow list that people who have been partnering with our community, communities we partnered with, uh, people who've been active on Discord are going to are being put on that list, and they're going to get access to purchase first. Then um, once that period is done, it's going to open up to the public, of which you know you can buy it with Ethereum, uh, your your Ethereum wallet or you can actually buy it with a credit card on the website because national lampoon has a lot of people who are not in web three but you know love the brand so we want to make sure we didn't exclude them uh there's 4669 of them the reason for that number is because it is the mathematical number for chaos <laughs> i didn't it, it didn't know that but you know these are the things you learn when you work with national lampoon and the cool part is, is between the poison pill and the number of mints, it's all, there's a bunch of Easter eggs built into everything that they do uh, to kind of make it interesting. Now, that number doesn't necessarily get you anyone more or less. It doesn't, the poison pill name doesn't necessarily link to something in 10 years, but it's all got some meaning to it. Uh, so that way, when you know, we're actually thinking about putting out some uh chains that people can wear uh from cheap to expensive that will uh, you know kind of signify you're part of the poison pill club i there's going to be you know uh we're actually going to be releasing re-releasing the magazine digitally as an nft and all holders get that for free every month uh if you're not a holder you'll be able to buy the magazine and then uh you know there's going to be some perks and stuff and collectibles that go along with those nfts so holders get more than just that um, so it's, it's kind of cool. I mean, I, I give them credit. They, 
they really took the time to learn the space and really kind of know how to speak to the community and, and, and build something that's going to have a lot of value. I mean, they've been at the forefront for decades, right? I mean, you're right. It was, it was a writer's room. It was a print magazine that I can recall. And then it translated yep. to TV and film. I mean, they've, they've really gone after media all across the board and coming into this as probably one of the first brands to take a look at this creatively, like you're saying, and, and innovating out of what was web two or what was a print or a, a you know, a 2d representation of it. Um, I think there's a lot of potential there. Super, super cool stuff. Let me know more on that. And, and Tuesday you said, right. So I got to assume that's going to sell out pretty quickly. Well, you know, you hope so. Uh, we've definitely built a lot of momentum and it's definitely an exciting project. Uh, it's got a big name and we've got some very passionate fans already, but you know, the market is so fickle. Uh, it's so crazy. And what some people finds value and other people doesn't, um, it's really hard to know, but we're cautiously optimistic that we're, we've got the right momentum and there's enough people that have heard of it that are comedy fans that are going to see the value in it. Uh, but, you know, our anticipation is that we'll sell pretty well. And if we sell out, it's great. Uh, you know, a lot of projects sell to sell to try and push the uh, excitement so that there's a whole secondary push on the marketplace because the real value with some of these projects is just that buy and sell, buy and sell. And then unfortunately someone at the end is left holding an expensive NFT that the company really wasn't putting a lot of value in. This is a, the exact opposite. This is the hope that we sell out and, and, and maybe hope for some secondary sales because some people didn't get in, but really ultimately we just wanted to build a community and you know if the value stays what it is but people are using it that's going to be more important for something like national lampoon because again the the, the amount of nfts that they sell is just a, a drop in the and it's a lot of money but it's just a drop in the bucket compared to what you need to produce multiple animation shows multiple tv shows like all multiple movies this is not enough money to do that so they're actually going to be you know, as they start to fund projects, they're going to be putting a lot of their own money in. And this just gives them the confidence that they're going to have a community that's going to support a lot of things that they're doing. So, yeah, I mean, fingers crossed, we, we, we sell out pretty quickly just because that would be great. We want to move on to the next stage, which is building versus, you know, pushing an NFT project, uh, an access pass. And once that gets sold, we can we can do that and start building more value for everybody. It's almost like a pre-sale. I mean, I think about it like Tesla when they, you know, Cybertruck, right? What do they have? Like $2 billion in pre-orders? He hasn't even made or made a couple, but he hasn't sold one. But it's, it's I'm like, that's brilliant. No advertising, right? And, and you could look at this as a marketing spend on the on National Lampoon side. Like, what would you spend to market to this audience? And yeah, it's 46, 69 or whatever it is. But that's going to multiply as you get the word out, as they tell their networks of friends. So it's potentially tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of people that are on a super fan list, right? Because you're getting, like you said, it's it's a buy-in. It's not a not a mm -hmm. trivial money. So these people are expressing a, an interest, putting down some value, and hopefully become this seed that grows. Like you said, you could feed them and feed them and feed them, and they're going to spread that out. It. I, I think it's a, it's an easy sell to a company. And if they don't see the value in creating a relationship with their fans at that level, um, they're going to miss out because the people that do that are going to benefit to the moon. Especially this early. I mean, you know, we, NFTs have been kind of on the radar for about two years now. Uh, you know, I got involved in learning about NFTs in December of 2020. Uh, 2021 was when, 
you know, the Bored Apes launched and the, the, the Oni forces. And then, you know, they went to the moon, but they actually didn't have a very strong roadmap. It's just the communities were small and hungry and willing to flip and investors got in. Uh, they saw the value of being able to flip them. And then 2022 hits and right about February, the whole market just dropped a ton. Two things happened. Crypto dropped immensely. So Bitcoin and Ethereum both hit really low lows. Uh, and then the projects that had, people had spent all this money on buying, flipping and buying the rare ones at expensive prices weren't getting any value from it. And then what ended up happening towards the end of 2022 is the projects that survived, the, the founders and the companies behind them that were built started to deliver on some of their promises because it does take time to deliver these things. Then you start to see some other projects come into the space that already learned from what the mistakes the other ones did. And they've been building some amazing things. And that's where I think National Lampoon is fits into that space. Uh, and now what we're starting to see in 2023 is people are not um, kind of FOMOing in as much. Uh, what they're doing is they're doing the research and they're buying projects and supporting projects that have a real value, real founders, real, real plan. And that's where I think, you know, you're right. Companies need to jump into the space. But then what you have to do is after you sell, You've got a long road and 10,000, 7,000, 5,000, 4,000, whatever the number is, people who all paid $50,000, $200,000, whatever it is to get in, expecting you to do something for them. And you've got to deliver. And if you don't deliver, they might go to uh, social media and just kill your project. So you have to learn how to communicate with these people on a regular basis to let them know you're working. Even if you have nothing to deliver, you have to you know, do drops to them or create opportunities for them. So at least see you're working because they're demanding of it. I mean, and it makes sense. If I ask you to give me 300 bucks for something, I think you'd eventually want to get something in return for that. Not necessarily the 300 bucks back, but I better be able to give you a t-shirt and some tickets to something eventually, uh, or at least some kind of like pass to some early information. Who knows? I, and, and, and I think that that's affected some projects early on that could have been really cool and couldn't deliver. And others, founders actually ended up selling the company to some people who could handle it because they, were, they weren't prepared. It's crazy. Well, that's a good point. I mean, scale may play a, a, a piece in this, right? If you've got the resources and wherewithal to, to sustain and run through a time period, um, and I'm just thinking agency-wise, that's a, that's a great place to be, right? If a company has no idea, it's a, I don't know, it's it's... Sketchers, I don't know, pick pick a brand. Right. Sketchers is actually pretty involved in the space, um, right? But has no department, has no way to understand what the needs are and how to maintain and sustain. Um, I think there's a place, or even the, the smaller and mid level creators that don't have that structure, don't have the infrastructure, don't have the resources. An agency can step step in and say, "Look, we'll do this on a percentage basis or commission based basis. You know, let us manage this for you, right?" And I think that's. You're going to have to see that because there's too many individuals creating NFT drops that can't support them, like you said, a year or two down the line. So, oh, yeah, for sure. Interesting opportunity there. Yeah. What and I've you... seen it happen already a couple of times over with a couple of projects. Oniforce is just the founders just sold it. The new owners are going to be announced soon. Uh, Braun Studios did something for Gossamer that, that the company they hired couldn't actually fulfill some stuff. So, it ended up changing hands to someone else to run it. Um, you know, and th th those are just two examples of something that that really needed experts to kind of help them figure out how to manage the space. 
Where do you think you, you touched on it a little bit with the, the drop in Bitcoin and Ethereum? Where do you think the value are we at a have, have we sussed out all the bugs? I mean, we're at a point now where, where we think that that's everything's been then sorted out, or do you think that there's still a lot of volatility ahead? So there's so many things that you know this is so new from from a technology standpoint and a consumer value, right? To buy Bitcoin and then trade Bitcoin or hold Bitcoin is an easier concept, right? But when you take buying an NFT that has value beyond the cryptocurrency, but is tied to a cryptocurrency, causes some confusion in the sense if the cryptocurrency rises, then the value did the value of that project rise. But if they're not delivering, then people are trying to sell it, right? But they might not look at what the price of Ethereum is. They might look at what the price they bought it at. They might sell it lower, even though it was the same USD price. So that gets where it gets, starts to get really confusing. Like, oh, I bought it for one ETH. Well, when did you buy it for one ETH? Did I buy it last year when it was four grand? Or did you buy it this year when it was 1,200, right? Like, when did you buy it at one ETH? Because one ETH values changed. The other thing that's going to make this, still makes us a wild, wild west is the, what do you really own? Like, what IP rights do you have, right? With the poison pill, you don't get any IP rights. It's an access pass. So that makes it simple. But with the Bored Apes, there's still a whole world that I don't think has even been touched yet fully from, do you really own the rights to this? Because you're using your ape cartoon character, but you don't own the right to the Bored Ape overall company. You only right to that character. And how can you use that? And you know they say in the fine print, well, you can't use it for adult or hate speech or anything like that, right? So maybe, but who determines what is that, right? How do you how do you define that specifically in a court of law? And then, you know, do I get to take that board ape and write board ape yacht club and put it in lights on in in New York City? But I only had the right to that image. So like, how where does that line cross? Um, what true rights do you have? And then, you know, there's all kinds of things with. AI that's mixing into this, right? Was the was the art created originally or was it AI used? And was the AI used was something to do with typing something and using uh, you know Shepherd Fairy and Banksy as your inspiration. And you come up with this project and it doesn't look like them, but it has a nod to them. Do you own the rights to that? Did the company get the rights to use that correctly? Like it, it gets heavy when you start to to think about those things. That's why like they say DYOR, which is do your own research, is so important. Just because you buy into something does not, and it says you have this, does not necessarily mean that you fully have it, you know? Now, I have this conversation every day. And the last episode of this podcast was with a guy named Stephen Masur, who's an IP attorney out of New York, a friend of mine. And we discussed this at length, and it's, it's an issue. No one really knows what ownership is. The average consumer, when they bought a CD, you know, 20 years ago, oh, I own this record. You really don't, right? You own the right to play that for personal consumption. You right. cannot go play it in a bar. You cannot go sell it or copy it and sell copies of it. There's so many limitations that the average 15-year-old that buys that CD has no idea what that is. And he brought up a really interesting point when we, we he was on our Future Worlds panel last November, the conference. He said he did some research. He couldn't find a single smart contract that was drafted by an attorney. I thought... He's, he's absolutely correct. They're being drafted by software engineers and developers who have zero experience with IP rights, right? I mean, not zero, they have some, but they're not an IP expert. And, and attorneys can look at this and go, well, you just said they're going to get streaming rights. Well, mm -hmm. streaming rights, there's a whole basket of streaming rights, right? And I've gone deep on some of these 
NFT drops and it's, you're getting master streaming rights, which is, you know, maybe half of what the actual full streaming rights are. And then, oh, you're only getting Spotify master streaming rights, which now you've taken that pool down to a fraction of what it sounds like when you say streaming rights. And like you said, there'll be some people that are disappointed when they think, oh, I'm getting, it's playing on this TV show, so I'm getting paid. Well, no, because that was excluded. That's not a Spotify master streaming right. And like you said, a very good point where you have that image of the ape, but can you use board aped? Is that your right. trademark? No. Is that your copyright? I know they don't do a transfer of copyright. It's very clear in the fine print that they continue to hold the copyright. Like you said, if it's mm-hmm. a moral use where they don't think it's, you know, it's it's considered hate speech or it's on something that's object, object, objectable, objectionable, um, they're going to pull it and say you can't use it there. So they still have a lot of the rights inherent. Um, and people need to understand what it is they have and what they don't have and what the value is based on that. So interesting point. Yeah, the IP is going to have to be sorted. I think there's going to have to be some regulation and some clear disclosure of, hey, you're buying only the the access, like you said, or you're buying only these particular rights. Like you mm-hmm. said, whatever the, 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 the end point is for the consumer, it's clear to them what they're getting, what they're not getting, how they can use it, how they cannot use it. And what might be, you know, the value based on that? Because obviously, if you can use it for commercial use, it's more valuable. If you can't use it for commercial use, that value might be limited to something else. So it's it's an interesting place. I'm with you on the on the one Ethereum's. I was we did an ICO back in the end of 17 for one of my companies, and it was just to get listed on an exchange. It was something like 10 Bitcoin, right? And and Bitcoin at that point was I think. wherever it was. And it was, and then two, you know, two, three months later, it was still 10 Bitcoin and Bitcoin had got up to $8,000. And you're thinking, well, what's the difference in value over two months, right? You're giving me the exact same service and now you're charging 20 or 30% more because it's just based on the value of the underlying coin. So, you know, what, and people try to take it back to USD, like you said. And um, I think it's really innovative what you said about National Lampoon coming in with a credit card, because I do think a lot of people in this audience that want to participate don't have a MetaMask, don't have the ability or, or don't understand or don't want to know how to get in because gas fees and wallets can be, you know, obstacles. So it's uh, it's an interesting place where, like, like I said, the access is, is still being held back. Um, but if you provide your consumer base with an easy way to get in and a familiar method like a credit card, I think that improves your chances of success exponentially. Absolutely. And, look, and, and car now. <laughs> you know, we recognize that. And it's just, sorry, I had to move to the car. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's just one of those things where it's, it's going to event. It's going to evolve every time. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, perfectly. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. It's going to evolve constantly. And as long as uh, things evolve and lawyers still need to, test the waters and pushing the envelope it's it's never going to change but you know i do believe that if you get in early and you do your research and you buy into the right projects and you get the right access passes for things that you're passionate about or you invest in the right things that have the right people behind working on this correctly and you also do this smell test right right like if it's too good to be true it probably is very few things really end up working out like Oh, if you buy this, it's just going to bring you millions. Well, I mean, that almost never happens, right? So uh, if you do your work, 
and you do the research and you kind of figure it out, you know, then you're going to probably win more often than not. You know, there's certain things we don't know. I mean, there's a huge couple of huge products projects where the founder came out that had done some not so great things. I'm not talking like killing anybody or, or, or stealing, just probably didn't manage a business very well. Uh, but the community was so big and so powerful. They backed them anyway, and they still survived. Right. And, and if that was a different time, a different community, it would have fallen apart. So you can't predict everything, but you can at least try, right, to, to, to do what's smart. And that's where, I mean, I'm in, I don't know, 20 Discord channels. I'm, I'm, I'm perusing them every day just to see what's out there. I'm, uh, you know, talking with people. I'm listening to, to spaces. I'm listening to podcasts like what you do. And, and, you know, just trying to get as much information as I can from different points of view in order to make it work. Uh, and then if you're passionate about something like comedy and National Lampoon's going to be some, the biggest risk you have is if it doesn't end up working out as you lost a couple hundred bucks, but the biggest win you have, and you know, I will say the company is fully fledged behind this, this project. The biggest win you have is you're going to own their Genesis pass. It's going to get you access to stuff for the rest of your life, including the magazine and all the other things that they're going to be offering. So, you know, there's a low barrier of risk for something like that, but it's a, it's all just, it's all just being built as we speak. They're one of the first media companies to do this in the space and really attack it very like that. And it's a chance to contribute. I, I think you kind of mentioned that earlier with that package. If you're a comedian writer, right, and you want to contribute or you have an idea, you're probably front row with that company because they're going to listen to those 46, 69 people before they're going to listen to the other 10 million people, right? So that's something that they're going to put you as a super fan and as, a, as an investor in their token ahead of an, an audience member that maybe, you know, is like I said, a thousand or 10,000 or a million back. Um, so it gives you a little more access and, and it gives you the ability to create value for that token as a community member. If you're a comedian and you participate and you now have access to other comedians and a, and a network of comedians, which is basically National Lampoon, helps you you know you're promoting yourself in some respect and also bringing the value of that nft up i th i think i think <laughs> i think i lost you james can you hear me oh you can hear me yeah 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 i hear you yeah no absolutely i mean again dyor right do your own research listen to the people that are talking Go to the website, click on the founder's name, see if you can find them on LinkedIn, do those things. It's really important. You know, it's not going to tell you everything perfectly, but at least it gives you 75%, 85%, percent of the story, which is going to be at least enough to make an informed decision. And then reach out to communities, find out if they're interested in it, what they're seeing before you purchase anything, because it's easy to hit that button, but it's really important that you just, you know, you do your checking and then you know, again, kind of going back to National Lampoon really quick, it's, we're excited because I think we built a great community. If you came into our Discord, you would see more memes thrown at you than you've ever seen in your life and memes that you wouldn't believe even existed. And it's hilarious. And it's, and you don't have to own an NFT to get into the National Lampoon Discord. You just need to kind of go to the website and log in, get your, your, your account set up, and then you can just literally sit there and laugh, right? And if that's the worst thing that happens, it's still great. Uh, but I will say this, if I've never, I, I knew memes were a thing because I've seen them a million times, but until I got in the National Lampoon Discord, I didn't know these memes go this far. It's kind of. And they've got rights to, I'm sure, a lot of content that the average person does not, right? With all the films, 
all the audio content they do, all the TV shows they've they put back. Um, I, I got to assume they've got access to a catalog second to none as far as comedy goes. Uh-oh, I think I'm losing you again, James. All right, man. I'm going to let you drive because obviously our signal's not getting good here, but I appreciate you coming on today. Um, let's Good luck with the launch on Tuesday with National Lampoon, and uh, we'll definitely stay in touch. I think he's out. <laughs> Thanks, James. Oh, there you are. You're on mute still, buddy. I said I'm a passenger, so you don't have to worry about that. I just lost Wi-Fi and went to Bluetooth really quick. But um, I really appreciate you having me on, and this was great and a really great conversation. And, and I love all the conversations we've had offline, and I really look forward to continuing talking more. And thanks for letting me talk about National Lampoon. Appreciate it, James. All right, good luck today, sir. Talk to you all soon. Right, thanks, Steve. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye.